Welcome, my name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. Welcome, today's episode is about being what's called a distractor. Okay, now I'm going to be honest with you. If you are a distractor, and this might hurt your feelings, if you are a distractor, you are highly unlikely to, one, listen to this podcast, two, train your dog to the best of your ability, and three, actually deal with much in your life that relates to problems. Now, I know that might sound harsh, and I tried to find the best way to do it. But if you are a distractor, you need a rude awakening. Now, what's also interesting is by me saying this, if it offended you and you've turned this off, if you're listening, then clearly you're not hearing this part, but if you turned this off or you're thinking that maybe I'm not the person for you and you're going to go find some other dog training advice, you might be a distractor. You might be. Now, what is a distractor? The title of this episode is Yes, No, Maybe. A distractor is an individual who will go through all of the other personality types that we've already talked about on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, make sure you listen to those episodes. Placator, blamer, and computer. Rarely will a distractor go to the placator ability. More often they stick to blamer and computing. But they will alternate through in order to not deal with the problem. Let me give you an example. I was working with a client, a new dog owner. She had a puppy. She had a couple of kids. And she was telling me the problems that she was having. Oh, he's, you know, he's chewing on the couch. I said, okay, well, we're going to do this, this, and this. Instead of acknowledging what she needed to do to change her situation, improve her dog's listening ability, and manage as much of the bad behavior as possible while we worked on teaching the dog new skills, she moved on to the next problem. Oh, great. So, okay, well, also he, he pulls on the leash a lot. I said, okay, well, let's do this exercise. So we started practicing it. And as we started practicing it, she brings up a third thing. Well, you know, he's just, he's too rough with the kids. Okay, I understand. Let's work on the leash walking right now. And we'll get to playing with the kids in a moment. And that's what I needed to do to bring her back to what we needed to focus on. That is what a distractor will do. They will pick one thing. You've given them an answer. You've told them what they need to do to solve the problem, and you're trying to help them, but they don't want to solve the problem. Because somewhere along the line, they might have gotten offended, or they might have struggled with the idea that it's their responsibility to then work on it. I'll give you another example. Someone orders a coffee from Starbucks or Dunkin', wherever you like. I want you to picture this. You're waiting in line. Person orders their drink. The drink ends up being wrong. What is the easiest way to solve this problem? You go back up to the barista. Hey, I'm, you know, I apologize. I know you guys are busy, but I got the wrong drink. This is what I ordered. I was wondering if you could make it for me. Super simple, nice and polite. A distractor would say, hey, this is the wrong drink. And the person would say, okay, what did you get? And the distractor would say, it doesn't matter what I got. This is wrong. Okay, I understand it's wrong. What would you like me to do? Would you like me to make you a new drink? Would you like a refund? No, I just want you to know that that my drink is wrong and that you guys messed up. 
And then I'm probably never coming to this Starbucks or Dunkin' again. I'm going to go to the one across the street. Okay, you know, I apologize for the inconvenience, ma'am. We could give you a gift card. We could, um, you know, we could we could make you a free drink. We could give you a refund. And they don't care. They just storm out. Maybe even they even come back and complain again. That's a distractor. They don't care about getting the right drink. They just want you to know that you're wrong. They want you to know that you messed up. Because if you messed up, they don't have to take the blame. Right? It could have been that they said the wrong drink. And they know they're wrong. And because they know they're wrong, they're not going to actually fight to get the right answer. Let me give you a third example. Okay? You're going to confront somebody in your house. Let's say you have a roommate or your spouse or a family member. You're going to confront them on something. Let's say they didn't clean the dishes. You can say, hey, did you do the dishes? Hey, you didn't do the dishes. They might first say, hey, you know, yeah, I didn't do the dishes. Okay. Hey, would, you know, could you could you mind doing them? I got a bunch of other things I got to do. Could you just handle that for me? You know, I really would, but there's just way too many things in the dishes, and I didn't actually make the dishes, so I'm not going to clean them. They're not they're not my dishes. I understand they're not the dishes, but like, could, could you just clean it up? Could you help me out? I'm trying to help the house. No, listen, if you want the dishes done, you're going to do it your way. Otherwise, you're going to come at me and say, I didn't do the dishes well, and now we're going to have a problem because I didn't clean the dishes to your level of satisfaction. So right there, they went through placating. Hey, yeah, I didn't do the dishes. Then they went to computing. Oh, there's too much in the sink, and they're not my dishes. Those are facts. And then they went to blaming, blaming the other individual as to why they're not doing the dishes. This is the mindset. This is the thought process of a distractor. If you are a distractor, you might be chuckling at this point because you might do this. You might go in this loop. If you're still listening to this as a distractor, I applaud you. I applaud you for doing so because that means you are aware of what is going on in your brain. Because you're aware of that, you can now start to progress. You can move on to the next steps. Now, the way to know that you are a distractor is you go in circles, especially when accused of something. Whether rightfully or wrongfully accused of something, you will go in circles. The dishes example. right? Yeah, I didn't do the dishes. There's way too many in there. You're going to blame me for not doing the dishes properly. Well, yeah, I didn't do the dishes. But I didn't do the dishes because there's too many in there. And I didn't do the dishes because you're going to blame me. right? You just go in a circle. And no matter what the accuser... Right? The person saying, hey, could you do the dishes, or you didn't do the dishes. No matter what they say, a distractor has an alternative to go to. They will jump to the next thing they have to do. Same thing with the client I was working with. I gave her the answers, the solutions she was looking for. And instead of saying, okay, let me implement that first, she just went to the next problem she was having. And I don't mean we solved the one issue and then we moved on to the next issue. That would be totally fine. That's great. right? If you tackle an issue and you understand it fully, yeah, we can move on to the next thing. But in this case, what she needed was to slow down and to start taking responsibility for the one thing we needed to work on, which in her case was, I need my dog to be able to walk on leash. Great, let's have them walk on leash. Once we have that down, or at least once you understand the exercise to a point where you can practice it on your own, 
then I can start helping you on the other things. But if I'm explaining in the middle of explaining something and you cut me off because you think that what I'm explaining puts you in a position to do more work, you are being a distractor. You do not want to be a distractor, especially when you're training your dog. Now, I briefly mentioned it earlier. Distractors will more commonly combine blaming and computing. Rarely will they placate because they don't want to take the blame for themselves. They don't want to take the blame for themselves, so they're going to blame you, they're going to blame the situation, or they're going to use a computing analytical mindset to make excuses as to why something isn't happening. How does this relate to training your dog? If your dog isn't listening or they're destroying property, they're being out of control, the first thing they're going to do is either blame the dog or the other members of the household. I see this way too often. Oh, my dog's a particular breed. Oh, well, they have a lot of energy. They just need to calm down. Or, oh, well, you know, my, my husband lets the dog jump all over him. My wife lets the dog hug and kiss him. Her, right? No matter what's going on, it is never the distractor's fault, according to them. It might be their fault, right? It might be their fault. And only if you kind of put them in a box will they accept that. And even then, it is, it is a struggle. They will not take responsibility. They will blame others. And they will use logic to try to validate their excuses. If you're going to validate your excuses by blaming somebody else and being analytical, you can very well convince yourself that you are not the problem. You can, you can really like dig deep into your mind and convince yourself you are not the problem. And perhaps this was a defense mechanism as a child, right? Your parents said, hey, what'd you do wrong? And you said, oh, no, it was my sibling, right? Or, oh, no, because of gravity, he fell off the swing. I didn't push him. And you got away with it. You got rewarded for distracting this negative energy and attention towards yourself onto something else. You were able to divert that attention onto something else so that you didn't have to deal with it. You didn't have to fix it. Right? This is very common right now with students in school. What are they blaming? They're blaming the teachers for not teaching well. Or they're blaming the, you know, COVID happened. And they blamed, well, we're not in class, so how am I supposed to focus at home? Right? They could tell the teacher, how am I supposed to focus at home? And then they could tell their parents that the teacher isn't an effective teacher. Well, it can't be both. I mean, it can be, sure. But the odds are the kids just aren't paying attention. Or maybe, right? Maybe the teacher is at fault. It can be true. They're not mutually exclusive. But that doesn't solve the problem. So if a distractor says, oh, well, it's the teacher's fault, that doesn't excuse poor grades. Certainly didn't excuse poor grades when I was in school. I had a professor in college who was a wonderful professor, very knowledgeable, but he went way too fast for everybody else. And many of my classmates were in the 60s or 70 range. I was able to be in the 80, 85 range because I took it upon myself to read the textbook and study for myself. Right? I went above and beyond, not because I'm an A-plus student. I became an A-plus student by doing these kinds of things. But because I knew that the teacher wasn't responsible for my grades. I was paying for classes. I was going to classes. I was taking the time to learn. And it's my degree on the line, not my professor's. 
So as everyone else blamed the professor, oh, well, he's a terrible teacher. He goes too fast. He doesn't slow down. He doesn't give us notes. He's all over the place. He tells us random stories. He goes on tangents. Right. So I would go to class and I'd write down what I thought was important. And if he said anything that had nothing to do with what we were talking about, I would go back to reading my textbook. So I'd always go back and learn on my own because I cared about the solution, which was getting a good grade. Now, a computer in that case might go, well, we spend a 45-minute class. We spend 50% of it talking about random stories because people ask him random questions. That doesn't solve the solution. That just blames the 50% of the class that you're not paying attention to. It does not account for the 50% of the class that was actually beneficial that you didn't pay attention to, right? So you have to take responsibility for all of this. Now, a distractor is the furthest personality type from a leveler. I alluded to this yesterday. A leveler is what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. But a distractor is the furthest thing from a leveler. And that is because until you realize you are being a distractor and until you come to terms with that and start to really understand what it means, you have to give up being a blamer, you have to give up being a computer, and you have to first become essentially a placator. You have to take on more responsibility. Once you take more on more responsibility, you can add back in the fact of being a computer, and that will create as close as you can get personality-wise to a leveler. Many distractors do not go through this process because it is so ingrained in their mind to blame other things and other situations and to convince themselves, 100% convince themselves that it is not their fault, that it's almost impossible for them to become a leveler. Now, I've had tough conversations with people and called them out on being a distractor. Family members, friends, I mean, like, hey, right now in this conversation we're having, we're going in circles. And I'm going to stop the conversation right here because we're not getting anywhere, right? What is the real problem of the conversation we're having? What's the real thing we're trying to accomplish? Are we having an argument? Are we trying to agree on something? Are we trying to whatever, pick dinner, right? If I say, hey, where would you like to eat for dinner? And the distractor says, oh, well, you know, we didn't have a good meal yesterday. It was kind of so-so. Okay, but where would you like to have for dinner? I don't know. You pick. So a computer, talked about yesterday, blamer, hey, you pick. Because then if it's off of them and the other individual picks, I pick, they can blame me if the food isn't good. They could blame the restaurant, sure. But they could blame me, oh, well, that was a terrible pick. You shouldn't have picked that. People do this all the time, and you don't even realize it. Now that you've listened to this episode, I hope you start to see it in your day-to-day life. And call someone out. Be like, hey. We're going in circles. You're, you're diverting the problem. I would like to solve the problem. How can we do that? And that is one of the attributes of a leveler. They are okay with conflict because they know it gets them to the solution. Distractors are not okay with conflict. They avoid conflict at all costs. As long as it's towards them, I mean. They don't mind conflicting with other people. But they don't want to take on any conflict because they can't handle it. If they could handle it, then they would be more like a placator. A placator will take on conflict because they want to avoid creating conflict. 
a blame or a computer will take on conflict as long as it's towards someone else. And a distractor just puts those two together. That's why it becomes so difficult. It is insanely difficult to communicate with a distractor simply because they are going to go around in circles. There is no direct path on, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we're going to do every day to make sure that that happens. And then that's the final result. You could say, well, this is what you need to do. And they say, great, awesome, cool. Well, what about this thing? What about this? What about this? What about this? A lot of distractors do the what if, right? You ever hear, um, there's so many what ifs, only one what is, right? There's so many what ifs, but there's only one what is. So if you say, well, what if my dog does this? What if my dog destroys the couch? What if my dog pees on the couch? What if my dog picks up the couch and spins it around? Those are all what ifs. What is, is your dog likes to gnaw on the bottom of the couch. So let's handle that. Okay, let's handle that one thing and then we can focus on everything else as things develop, as problems come up, as you notice certain things, as they get more knowledge and more skills under their belt, then we can kind of adapt and assess what we need to. But distractors are thinking about all the what ifs because they want to take the pressure off of themselves. If you have family members who are distractors, you need to call them out the moment they start distracting. And I don't mean they're going to like flail their arms and, and uh, you know, distract you like that. It's not, it's not like they, they look past you and go, hey, what was that thing? And then they run away. That's not, that might have been the early stages of a distractor before understanding more psychology and growing as uh, intellectual beings. But if your family members are distractors, you go to talk to your spouse, you go talk to your family, maybe your kids are distractors, very common. So you go to talk to your kids and they're blaming other things and they're, they're trying to rationalize and make excuses. You just got to cut them off and say, hey, what you're doing right now is not helping us solve the problem. What I need you to do is be on my side. Help me solve the problem. Can you do that? If they go right back distracting, hey, 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 can you do that? Because most of the time, that's what's going to happen. You're going to say, hey, you know, whatever's going on, this is what I need you to do with the dog. I need you to take the dog out at 6 a.m. every day. Can you do that? Oh, well, you know, I got to go to school. I got to do that. Hey, 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 can you take the dog out at 6 a.m. every day? No? Okay, then I'm going to take the dog out at 6 a.m. every day. Like, you just have to make it so clear with them. This is what needs to happen. This is the solution. Right? We're going to take the dog out at 6 a.m. every day because there's less dogs in the neighborhood and we need to practice engagement because our dog can't focus around distractions. So we need to work at a successful level where our dog can focus. And that might be 6 a.m., that might be 5 a.m., that might be 4 a.m., whatever it is. But we need to work at a level where our dog is successful. Can you do that? Oh, well, you know, I got this, I got this, I got this, you know, I don't sleep well, whatever it is. Okay, cool. I'm not going to put that responsibility on you because you're going to let me down. You don't have to say that part, but that's the thought process. Then you say, okay, I'm going to take the dogs out at 6 or 5 or 4. Now, you might have them do something else later on. Again, this, this is kind of going to the concept of your spouse is helping you with the dog or family members are helping you with the dog. Your kids could do this as well. If you have older kids, I wouldn't trust anyone below the age of 15, 16, uh, out by themselves at 5 in the morning with a dog. But right, you have to be very clear and it cannot come across as scolding them, cannot come across as uh, angry with them. 
because they will shut down and they will retreat and they will become more of a distractor to take the pressure off. But you can't trick them. You cannot trick a distractor. Okay? You can't trick them into doing what you want them to do. The only thing you can do is be very clear, concise, and to the point on what you do want them to do. The moment they understand what they need to do in order to succeed, and they do succeed, they will shift from being a distractor to being a leveler. If you tell them to do something, they agree to do it, they do it, and it does not work, you have created a distractor who now doesn't want to listen to you and will go back to their blamer and computing selves. Right? You said, hey, you know, this is the solution. We're going to take the dog out at 5 in the morning. They agree. They, okay, yeah, I'll take the dog out the whole week, 5 a.m. They're on time. They're perfect. But the dog doesn't get any better because they're not doing anything else with the dog, let's say. They will blame you for telling them to take them out at 5 in the morning because that didn't work. They will not blame themselves for not having treats with them and working on it and practicing outside of that window at 5 in the morning. They will blame you or 5 a.m. is not the right time because there's still other dogs out. They'll blame that as well. As a distractor with a dog, it can be very dangerous. So if a family member of yours is a distractor, do not just let them do whatever they want with the dog. Simply because they will blame the dog, they could correct the dog, they could yell at the dog, or they could compute and just say, well, I'm never going to work with the dog then. And this is how my dog is, and this is my excuse. It is very dangerous because they do not take the responsibility of training their dogs. And we already know that an untrained dog is not a safe or happy dog. Right? If your dog is not trained, does not have good manners, is not well-behaved, you can run into some serious problems of them running out into the street, them biting somebody, them taking down a grandma if they just jump on them, scaring individuals, destroying your house, getting into something that they shouldn't. All of those things, all of those things are a problem. Now, if a family member of yours is a distractor and you are trying to figure out how to get everybody on the same page, I want you to set up a call with me so I can help guide you through the process. MatadorK9.com slash coaching. There's a free call. It's about 20 minutes. I want to make sure I get you set on the right track. Okay. As well as if you're struggling with problem behaviors and you need the distractor to succeed or you need to succeed in order to feel good about the training, I'm going to give you a free PDF. MatadorK9.com slash resolving bad habits. The links for both of those are going to be in the description. MatadorK9.com slash resolving bad habits. That's going to help you get back on track if you got off track and help you get on track if you were not on track initially. Now, one of the best things you can do for a family of distractors, distract, distractors, distractors, even if one person is in the uh, distractor in the family, is get on the same page early on. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Everybody's got to be doing the same thing. Don't let the distractor do what they want to do because they saw this, that, and the other thing. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Everybody's got to do the same thing. And I've worked with families where everybody's on the same page besides the distractor. And they'll chalk it up to well, the dog's perfect. The dog's fine just the way it is. I don't have to change. My dog doesn't have to change. Okay? They're blaming everyone else in the family for them being there in the first place trying to train the dog. Oh, well, they just don't know how to communicate with the dog. 
No, you you give in to all of the dog's needs and would end or not needs but wants, and the dog ends up sitting next to you because you drop food intentionally during dinner and breakfast and lunch, and you don't mind it jumping on the couch and licking all over you when everyone else in the family doesn't want that. That's a totally fine thing to have, by the way. You could have your dog jump on the couch. But if not everybody wants it, then that's where we create a problem, right? So listen, being a distractor is not the best. But it does not mean you are stuck in being a distractor. If you've listened this far into the podcast, I hope as a distractor or as a family member of a distractor, you understand you need to take responsibility for training your dog. And that's what we are going to talk about in the next episode. We're going to talk about being a leveler. Make sure you stay tuned. If you have questions, if you have comments or good jokes, I love to hear them. You can message them on social media or email me at mjaceta at matadorcanine.com. I want to know what you guys want to listen to, what you guys have questions on. Uh, So please let me know if anything comes up. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time.